When the sun rises, I wake up and chase my dreams. I won't regret when the sun sets, cause I live my life like I'm a beast. What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. Hey guys and gals, welcome back. Hope everyone is doing well. Today, I'm Derek. Same as I always am, but I'm here with Steve today. Steve, how's it going? Derek, I'm doing great. How are you doing? How was your leg? Last time I talked to you, you had like broken your femur or something. <laughs> femur. Yeah. <I'm, laughs> your, your lower femur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very glad it wasn't my femur. Luckily, it was just a bone in my foot, the navicular bone, and it's healing well. I am now walking without a boot. I just got shoes on and sometimes a brace to help a little bit. So yeah, it's interesting. It's really the first time I've broken any kind of significant bone that's really kind of limited what I could do. It's been interesting. It's been a slow, slow process. And I, and I didn't even have to have surgery. So I'm just grateful at this point. I'm glad that I can get going again. Yeah. Didn't really slow you down though. I mean, you, you couldn't work out, but other than that, you were kind of yourself, right? Maybe. Yeah. I just learned to kind of deal with it. So, you know, there was a few weeks I was riding around the scooter in the office. Yeah. So for the most part, it really hasn't been too bad. So I'm very happy to look like a normal person walking around again. <laughs> That's nice. I kind of imagined you at the gym on those, like, they're like bikes, but for your arms that the older people kind of use, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I kind of imagined you just going on one of those in the evenings. I don't know. You probably didn't, <laughs> but that's what I imagined. <laughs> no, I don't think my gym doesn't even have anything like that, but I could still do a lot of stuff, which it actually, honestly, it was kind of a nice excuse to not have to do anything with legs. You know, it was just all <laughs> upper body. So I, I could actually give a, a real excuse why I couldn't do legs at all. So what's new with you? Not too much. School started, so uh, kids are back at it. My wife can breathe a little bit better during the day. But other than that, pretty much the same old stuff. We're doing good. Have the kids said anything as far as like what it's like wearing masks and distancing and stuff like that at school? No, they're pretty resilient to them. We got like those like bandana ones that they just like stick around their neck and they put up over their face. And they, I guess they do that when they're at the hall at school. But other than that, they've been pretty normal. So, so far, so good. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I don't want to go on too long here, but Jenny has for a while has thought about homeschooling and with the pandemic, when everything shut down and school stopped, she just picked up and started homeschooling. We didn't know that it was going to go on for this long, but anyway, she's going to continue doing that throughout this next year in school. And we're kind of excited for it too, because it's going to give us a little bit more flexibility as far as taking trips with the trailer and going different places. We won't have to worry about missing school and stuff. So That's awesome. that'll be a, yeah, it'll be an interesting new adventure for us. So technically it's going to be trailer school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Like the poor kids doing school out in the trailer. Yeah, that, that's, it. <laughs> that's exciting. That's way cool. Yeah. All right. So for today's episode, I'm excited about this one because I have heard this type of question posed in a lot of different ways from a lot of different 
dentists and really any any business professional or or leader business owner and the question always sounds something like this hey should i do this myself or should i pay someone else to do it so that is the overall question that i want to address and talk about today i want to look at how to evaluate your situation and answer this type of question so we'll look at different examples and kind of talk through them So we'll talk about some things as far as evaluating from a business perspective, and then we'll also talk about some tasks and things in your personal life just for kicks and giggles. Obviously, I don't need to tell all of you out there what to try and do yourself versus just paying someone else to do it, but I thought it'd be fun to have some discussion around it. And I'll interrupt you and say uh, to the listeners out there that Derek is really good about this. I remember like the second year of dental school, you were talking about the four hour work week and how you were, you were just like delegating this and that and how this wasn't, this class wasn't worth your time. And so this is something that Derek is passionate about and he's got some really, really good insights about it. So I think it'll be, it'll be fun. Well, thanks for that. I love the book four hour work week and it really, it changed my life in a way of helping me to see things in a different perspective. And I've shared it in other episodes, but a lot of the way that I really view and evaluate life is based on ROI. And that ROI can be money or it can be a lot of other things. And obviously spending time with your family is something that I feel like gives me great returns. It's not based on a financial perspective, but it's it's based on the fact that we have we have one life and one time one chance to spend our kids' childhood with them. So anyway, there's a lot of different ways where you can apply that principle. But yeah, I'm excited. I always enjoy this type of discussion and and seeing how other people look at this type of question. Yeah, yeah. So first things first, I do believe that it is important to fully maximize what your team can do for the practice. Right. You know, Paying for people to do things outside of your office to kind of free you up depends on your situation and time. And I think we'll talk about that at the end. But first off, a no-brainer is maximizing your team at the dental office who you're already paying to do as much as possible. And I think a good way to do this is to look at the things that only the doctor can do and then try your best not to do anything else and have your staff handle it. So... What are the things that only a doctor can do? Well, diagnosis, anesthesia, depending on your state, and non-reversible clinical procedures. And I would kind of list those out and then try to have your staff do the rest of the stuff. And that means, yes, you know, set up, break down x-rays, check patient in and out, but also other things. So they can review treatment plans with patients work out financial arrangements. They can be the ones to give post-op instructions or to write the treatment note at the end of the appointment. Clinically, you want them to be able to do as much as possible as well. Can they place cord and viscostat? Can they put on the matrix, make impressions, temporary crowns? Can they make your you know, wax rims for your dentures or your bleaching trays? You definitely want them, if they can, to be adjusting your removable and your, your dentures. Whatever your state allows, you want them to be able to do it. Another thing that I like to delegate as much as possible during a patient visit is the bulk of the chit chat. So if I can have an assistant that's really good at sitting down and kind of having a conversation with a patient, then I can kind of get in with minimal talk and do what I need to do and then go on with other things. 
so those are, uh, I guess, a few things that come off the, the top of my head initially. Yeah, I really like all of those. One thing that I think is good to keep in mind with all this is just the fact that there are different practice models. An office that is fee-for-service and does lower volume is going to approach situations like some of these that you mentioned maybe a little bit differently than an office more like yours that has high volume, low fee model. Would you agree with that? Uh, Yeah, I would say so. I mean, you're only one person and you only have eight hours in your day. So if you see 10 people in that time versus 30 people in that time, you're for sure going to need to be delegating to the fullest if you need to be in one and more than one place at a time. But on the other hand, if I don't know, uh, if you're really high, you know, high cost fee for service where you're emphasizing comfort and luxury more so than comfort and efficiency, then maybe you need to train and delegate some more of the soft skills to your staff. So they're really emphasizing these extra things and patient experience, maybe more so than like a PPO office. But I mean, either way, I think the more the staff can provide and take off your plate, the more you're able to focus on production. Yes. I think that all of the points that you mentioned are valid. And keep in mind that there are definitely offices out there that have high fee and a higher volume office. And that's that's definitely possible. So the point of the discussion is that the first step is to think through exactly what you just said. If you had to list out every single task done by you and your staff in your practice, you could put them into two different categories. One in which the task can only be done by you as the dentist. And the other category would be that it could potentially be done or completed by a qualified staff member. You decide what fits your model, but if you're not even doing the evaluation, then you are selling yourself short potentially. Yeah, right. You know, just being intentional about it. Most of these things require fair amount of training. So if you really want to delegate these things and be free from them yourself, you have to intentionally take the time to train them. And also, I mean, you have to choose to let go of doing these things. You know, sometimes we're so perfectionist, it's hard to let go, but you have to trust that they'll do a good job, maybe let go of your perfectionism a little bit and empower them to do more. And this will provide you time to do more productive things. And you know, that list that we just talked about, I think most dentists probably already know already know that that can be delegated. But if we went into your office tomorrow, it's highly likely that we would still be doing a lot of them ourselves. So we have to intentionally be conscious and and choose to let go of these things and have them take a, a bigger role. That is a really great point. I'm curious, Steve, if in your office, I mean, if you're really doing a great job of delegating all of these things that you listed out to your staff, how much time do you have to spend training? And like, if you have an assistant leave, do you have someone else training that assistant or do you have something set up or do you just kind of know that you're going to be spending a fair amount of time training during the first few months or or whatever when that new assistant is in your office? Oh, that's a good question. I think a lot of it can come chair side. I think I talk with some of the dentists that, I coach about this when they have an assistant that just isn't up to speed. And I mean, we spend a few hours per day with each assistant one-on-one, you know, with a patient in between us. So I think on the job, as you go, as, as long as you're remembering right there, those are great opportunities for you to train and teach them, whether it's 
cord or crowns or um, whatever it may be. Other things, you may need to take a couple hours, maybe on a day off and go through them. I don't like to do that. I like to kind of do more on the job training and then as much as possible, have my older assistant kind of train the younger. So that's kind of how I do it. And it, it seemed to work, but I think whatever kind of gets them there. I mean, I remember you telling me, Derek, you'll prep a crown at 1130 and then make a mold and or either your impression and then you'll just walk out and your assistant kind of takes care of the rest. And if they need to call you during lunch, they can, but that's the goal of what we want them to be able to do. Even if it requires, you know, some reps and training and show how. Yeah. Yeah. One other thing that I would add that I've done that's been really nice is any time when I've done any training with an assistant that is not with a patient or at some time when it's easy for somebody to take a video, I'll just have someone come in and record me talking and showing what I'm doing the whole time. And then then I have that video and I upload it and I have all of our stuff in Google Docs and Google Drive and stuff. But that's really nice to have almost this archive of things that assistants can go back and review if they struggle with it or if you bring someone new on that you get a little bit of both where you can do the chair side training and then they can be reviewing those videos on extra time that they have as well. And that's a, that's a good way to really kind of solidify the the training and all of those principles. That is a great idea. Now, do you do that for, you know, making a temporary crown or is this more like, this is how you present treatment or present financial arrangements or what, what are you recording? Interesting. you ask that. I hadn't actually hadn't really thought about it, doing it as far as presenting things, more of kind of the soft skills, but every, everything that I've done has always been clinically based. Gotcha. And, and that's when I think about it is because I think, uh, I, I know I'm probably going to get this question at some point in the future. So I, before I start explaining it, I think, get somebody in there that can hold the phone and record me for a few minutes while I explain this and then it will be recorded and I won't have to do this again. I only want to say it once because my time (laughs) is that valuable. (laughs) Right, right. That's great. I love that idea. Yes. So ultimately in any business, in order to grow, you're going to have to find other qualified individuals that can help carry the load and then take things to the next level. So these things that we've kind of gone through, uh, it's more of a clear decision. It's kind of easier to say, okay, yeah, I can definitely have my staff doing these types of things. The next situation that we'll look at are circumstances in which you might be willing to pay another company to do rather than trying to have your team perform those tasks. So there's really a spectrum here. On one end of the spectrum, like we already talked about, you're not going to outsource clinical things because that's your specialty and that's your team. I mean, it makes sense to be able to do those things. On the opposite end of the spectrum are some things that you're definitely going to have other people do. For example, you could learn to write your own software to create your perfect practice management system, but obviously you're not going to do that. So that's the other end of the spectrum. And then there's everything in between that is not as straightforward. So let's look at some of some common ones. These are things like bookkeeping, answering the phones, marketing, payroll, collections, insurance claims, any others that you can think of, Steve, that might be in that in that category of maybe not being exactly sure whether you should try and do them or have your staff do them versus paying someone else. Yeah, that's a good list. Maybe ordering supplies, you know, paying all the bills that need to be paid, 
your equipment or like little facility repairs, those type of things. Yeah, that's good. So we'll talk through just a few of them, but the idea is to try and learn the principles behind them so that you can work through how to approach other situations. So let's just pick the first one that I listed. Let's talk about bookkeeping. Tell me, Steve, where do you stand on this? I know you and I have done this differently at different points, but talk about your own experience, how you made this decision, what you've done in the past, what you're doing now. Yeah. So I think bookkeeping is a good example of something that's like it needs to be done but i have to pay a few hundred dollars each month to have it done should i do it myself where do you fall for me i did it myself actually for a while initially because well i was brand new practice owner i didn't like have any money i was scared to to sign a contract to have someone do this and anyways i so i ended up doing it myself for a while and i actually think it helped me to learn that in the beginning i got to understand where the money's going in my practice, how to kind of keep a low overhead and how to write things off as a business expense a little bit better than maybe I otherwise would have been able to. And I only spent, you know, an hour or two every couple of months after I learned how to do it. So it wasn't a big time issue. But even then, it was just one more thing on the checklist, one more thing kind of in the back of the mind that had to be done. So I ended up asking my accountant to do it. In general, I think... You know, it may be different for other people, but I think if, let's say, even if you're starting up and you may not feel like you have a lot of money, putting the time into other things will likely have a better ROI, in my opinion, whether it's production or really like learning how to present treatment plan in a, in a persuasive way or how to diagnose comprehensively, which I think kind of aligns with your take on this, Derek, right? I know you feel it's best not to spend time on something like this. So in general, I think it makes sense from a financial standpoint to look at what you're earning hourly and compare that to what you would be paying for a certain task to be completed. So simply, you could look at your net income, divided that by the number of hours that you work in that that time period. And that kind of gives you an idea of what your hourly rate it would be. Then you can compare that with some of the other things that you could pay someone else to do in order to decide if it seems reasonable. I think probably the majority of the time, if you, if you go by that rule, you're going to find that it's worth it to pay companies to do things like payroll or bookkeeping or, you know, some of those ones that we, that we listed off. But at the same time, I I don't think that there's necessarily an exact right or wrong answer here. For me, from day one, bookkeeping is a task that I did not want to have on my plate. I was happy to pay someone else to do it. But let me share my sentiment on this. I really want my big jobs in life to be as passive as possible while providing the results that I want to see. So with my practice, I want my team to be performing at a high level. So I will do whatever's necessary to keep that in check. But other than that, most of what I do with my time is simply to perform the dentistry. I think I want things like this because I feel it is less likely to produce burnout if you can make things more manageable and you're just going to be more productive with your time. 
And I felt the same way with real estate. With the very first property that I purchased, I had a property manager in place. Maybe part of it was that I just saw too many investors get burned out with property management and just give up on real estate. I I wanted it to be exactly what it was, an investment vehicle. I know Justin did it differently. He managed a decent amount of his properties until he felt like he had enough that it was worth it to him to hire a property manager. Again, not necessarily a right or wrong. Justin probably learned some principles and some lessons that I didn't by going through that. But I knew that I didn't want to go through that from the beginning and it was it was worth it to me. So in this situation with bookkeeping, it sounds like you essentially did the same thing here that Justin did with real estate. And if I'm going to be 100% honest, there are very likely things that you learned by going through that experience and doing it that I've never learned. But for me, I felt like I could review all of that information from my CPA reports and get the important things from it that I could I could be able to grow and, and perform my job and my role just as effectively without doing it. Yeah. But I don't think it's a bad thing at all to do something like you did, where you do that kind of just to try and get an understanding of it and then be willing to outsource it. So I, I think that's wise too. I like your objective approach, basically just figure out hourly what you're, what you're worth or what your time is worth you know, doing dentistry and then compare that to the cost of outsourcing for people that have a really light schedule or may their hours may not be very valuable right now, then it would make sense to maybe take some of those things on. But even then I would probably try to make your time more valuable by whether it's marketing to get more patients in or, you know, learning a new skill to make your time more valuable. But that's kind of an objective approach. I like how you said that. And then some of the things we mentioned, for example, claims, collections, billing, phones, those are a lot of the front desk tasks, actually. Um, those are things that sometimes dentists, they spend way too much time getting involved with. Or on the other hand, they don't pay attention to it at all. And that results in there being a big problem, too. So some of these tasks, they don't require your time to do them, but you need to spend some time in the beginning training and then just put a little bit of consistent time in to follow up. For example, don't go through the AR yourself and find which patients didn't pay. Then, you know, prepare a letter for them, a collections letter. But you do want to check the AR, you know, once a month or whatever and find any large balances and then just ask your front desk, what's the status with these? So she can handle them and you both know you're aware. Or taking phone on the days off. I personally wouldn't recommend doing that. I think weekends are important, but I think being aware of how important phone calls are, seeing how many calls are being missed, and then maybe having a team member or a call service catch those is something that you should spend some time to figure out and manage properly. Would you kind of agree with that on some of those front desk tasks, Derek? Kind of agree. Kind of, no, just so. Just, yeah, I, no, I, I'll restate that. I'll fully agree with you on this one, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, so one thing, and we allu- alluded to this a little bit before, but one thing that we talk about a lot on here is the idea of front-loading the process. And I think it's important to expand a little bit more here with several of the things that we've listed, or, I mean, even just your examples here, collections, claims, phone skills, you will likely 
have to spend time doing these things, learning how they work and training your team to perform these tasks well. All of these things are not things that we learn in dental school. They're not clinical related. So it means that you as the dentist, as the leader of your practice, you're going to need to spend some time doing these tasks or at least learning how they should be performed, even though you know that long-term you don't want to be doing them. So it's a necessary evil and an exception to the rule, in my opinion. You're going to put some energy in, establish the foundation, and then after that point, you're going to essentially kind of audit and make sure things are in check. Any thoughts to go along with that, Steve? Yeah, I agree. I would just say when you do that, after you put the time in and you learn it, lots of dentists get stuck because once they've learned it, they do it right and it's perfect and then they can't let go of it. So learn it, but then delegate it and train. And you're right. I mean, you have to put the time in up front. That's why like the first six months, first year of ownership is so hard is there's so many little things that you've got to learn that you didn't know you had to know, but you, you put the extra time in up front. And if you do it early and then delegate it, which Derek, I remember you were very intentional about doing all that as early as possible, then you're going to reap the rewards continually afterwards. So yeah, front loading. You're right. Yeah. Great points. And thank you. (laughs) You're you're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) As a side note, one thing that I think is worth mentioning is that you may want to consider with some of these examples to pay your spouse to do some of these tasks if they have a knack for it, if they're looking for something to do, they want to be involved in the practice in some way. A lot of these things are things that they could easily learn to do and spend some time doing each week. And uh, it's a good way to be able to put them on payroll and keep more of your money in your family's pocket. So the last thing that I thought it would be fun to talk about is things in your personal life that are not business related that you would choose to do yourself versus, again, outsourcing or paying someone else to do. So for clarification, I'm talking about things like yard work, car maintenance, stuff around the house, What do you think? Can you think of anything that would go along with that, Steve? Yeah. Let's see. Cooking. You know, you could hire a personal chef if you wanted to. Do you have a personal chef, Derek? (laughs) No. Luckily, (laughs) luckily, Jenny really enjoys cooking and she's a great cook. So I've never actually considered that. Which, But that makes me think of another one that probably is more common is to have some kind of a maid to come in on some kind of a routine basis and help clean the house. So again, I think of things here in the light of how much do I make per hour and how much can I pay someone else to do it? But I feel like it's almost a little bit different when looking at your personal life and things. Here's a couple elements that I think play a role in that as well. The first is just whether or not you get any satisfaction or fulfillment out of it. And the second is just the ease at which something can be done. So we all have personal lives. We all have hobbies. Obviously, many times we could probably pay someone else to reach the end goal of what our hobbies are leading to. So for example, if a dentist enjoys restoring cars, they could probably pay someone else to restore a car for less than they could for the number of hours that it would take them to restore the car. But That's not the point. We have free time and we want to spend it a certain way and there's nothing wrong with that. 
So there are certain people that enjoy doing tasks around the house, fixing things, remodeling stuff, whatever, that they might be able to pay someone else to do it for less than their time is worth. But if they enjoy it, then there's nothing wrong with that. It's kind of the question, is it about the journey for you or is what you're doing a a means to an end? And the second element that I think of is ease, like I said. So for example, if I've got a loose doorknob, I might be able to pay someone to come and tighten it up for less than my time is worth to be able to do that. But it might actually require just as much of my time to find someone to fix it, schedule a time. And then I have the inconvenience of having somebody in my house. So obviously this is a stupid example, but the (laughs) principles apply to other situations. <laughs> so tell me your thoughts here, Steve. Have you have you thought about these types of things or am I just weird for analyzing uh, situations like this? No, I think that's great. That's fun. <laughs> that's funny specifically right now because I have so many little things around the house that I'm supposed to do, but I'm not going to do it myself. And I'm also too lazy to call up someone and try to find come do them. So they're just like sitting here getting worse. My wife reminds me of them all the time. <laughs> I have the perfect solution for you. I've actually done this a couple times. So what I will do is I will make a running list of things on my phone of little things that need to be done that might take like, obviously it's not something like screwing in a screw and tightening a doorknob, but it's, they're going to be things that like, they're all like 20 to 30 minute tasks or maybe even an hour. But what I'll do is I'll keep a, a running list of all these things around the house that need to be done. And I have a, a friend that's a kind of a fix it guy. And when we go on vacation, I will go through the list. And what I do actually is I, as I make a quick YouTube video, I just make a video with my phone and spend like five minutes walking around the house, (laughs) showing the different things. I upload it to YouTube, send him a link and say, Hey, here's your list of stuff to do while we're gone. These are the dates that we're going to be gone. And he comes and does it and we return and they're all completed. (laughs) Dude, that is awesome. (laughs) I never, like, you're incorporating video to make your life so efficient. I love these ideas. (laughs) Oh, that's really funny. No, that's great, though. I think thinking about this stuff is good. If it gives you satisfaction doing it rather than just the end product of having it done. So, for example, my two-year-old turned on the water upstairs a couple weeks ago in the bathroom, and it flooded the bathroom. We had no idea until... It soaked through the floor and was dripping through the kitchen oh ceiling. Gosh. Yeah, it was awesome to come home to. But oh, you weren't even home. No, you came home. No, oh, I, no, I was, it was terrible. So, you know, I, I sent some pictures to my dad. He was like a master carpenter, most patient, you know, like dedicated, detailed person. And he's like, "This is how you fix it." But I already knew there's no way I'm gonna even touch that project because it would just be so torturous to me but on the other hand i do like being outside and doing yard work with my kids out in kind of the open air in the sun even though you know my time may be more valuable than that half hour of mowing the lawn but it's something i like and i like to kind of teach my kids to do it if that makes sense so it just kind of depends it's probably different for every person but what about you you do pay people for that type of stuff derek or do you just have your video lists Yeah. So stuff with like outdoor yard work. So I mowed lawns growing up. I worked landscaping. I was a pest control technician. Basically, pretty much every job that I ever had until 
until dentistry was outside. And I don't know if I just, I just used all of that up, (laughs) 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 but I don't, I don't have a lot of desire to, to do that anymore. Yeah. You've paid your dues over the years. You've probably done enough of that. So, you know, this might be a little off topic, but one thing I've wondered is sometimes I have this feeling that I don't want adults working around my house doing things that my kids are capable of doing, like whether it's cleaning or lawn care or whatever, just because I kind of want them to learn to work. I don't know, maybe I'm kind of oversensitive to this, and but, you know, maybe I should just teach them to value their time more. I don't know. What do you, have you ever thought about that, Derek? Yeah, I'm really glad that you brought this up because earlier when I was saying it's not always that simple and I brought up my two points, there should be a number three. And it's, it's what you're saying, because I have thought a lot about that, especially when, I mean, especially yard work or stuff like that. Sometimes I feel guilty just paying somebody to do when I feel like I grew up having to do those things. So A big part of what I've come to the conclusion of is that it's not necessarily what you have your kids do as far as working, but it's important to teach them to work. So you could be teaching them to work hard in school and, you know, teach them to to go to the really kind of take things to the next level. You could help them to get a job making money. It could be doing work around the house or if you live on a farm, you know, I think all of those, I really think you can, you can choose any of those options. But I think the important part is that you're teaching your kids to work hard and that they learn to work for, for what they get. Yeah. Good perspective. Yeah. That's me though. How I think through that. I like. So, I mean, you kind of brought up a couple of things. One thing that is interesting that I do enjoy doing that would be maybe in this category is maintaining our pool. When we moved in, I've never lived anywhere where we had a pool. So I didn't know anything about maintaining a pool and chemicals and stuff like that. But, and I've looked at paying somebody to take care of it and have thought about it. And honestly, I thought in the beginning, I thought, well, I'll just do it for the first year. So then I kind of know what it's like. And then if I want to, I can, I can pay somebody else to do it. But I've learned that I actually really enjoy the process. And a lot of times I can be out with the kids cleaning the pool, you know, while, while they're out there. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things that I get a little bit of satisfaction from. So I'm happy to do it. Yeah. Pool tech. That's cool. You know, and it's fun to think about all these little examples and I'm sure our listeners maybe have their own weird things that they may spend their time or want to not spend their time on. But I think the, the important thing is the reason we talk about any of this is because the most important thing we have is time. Even more than money is our time. And the whole reason, you know, that at the core of the lifestyle practice is we want people to make as much as possible so they can have the most time as possible. And thinking about the best ways to spend your time is a part of that, whether it's at work or at home. And whatever you choose to do, it's going to be different from you. It'll be different from Derek. Maybe you don't have a pool. It'll be different from me. But the important thing is to be intentional about it and choose to spend the time in the way that is most fulfilling for you. Amen, brother. 
<laughs> no, seriously, I uh, that was a great way to sum it up. I can't. No, you're laughing, but I'm, I'm serious. Uh, I think there's so many times when people will just get so passionate about getting on a certain type of a on a side of a certain argument, but really, what it comes down to is is being intentional about it. I don't care if if you're on one end of the spectrum or the other on one of these issues or something. The important part to me is that you've thought through it and that you are creating the life that you want to, because too many times we think that we don't have control, but in reality, we are in complete control. Yeah. Well said. We would love to hear from all of you listening. If you have any thoughts on things that you like to do or don't like to do, let's hear from you. Go ahead and, and share them on our, our Facebook group, the Lifestyle Practice Podcast, and let's hear some of those things. So thanks for joining in on the discussion, everyone. Have a great week. Be intentional about your life, and we will talk to you next time. Jump without a net, never break a sweat Cause I live my life like it's all I got